$1 billion worth of direct or indirect spend is kind of the holy grail of uh, supplier diversity achievement. But sometimes you're not focusing on impact or sustainability. Just in terms of objectives and what outcomes you're trying to achieve. Right. It's it's outcomes in in terms of are you really working to sustain, build and sustain an ecosystem or are you collecting spend and moving on just to say you have this large scale program? Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground, Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E. G-R-O-U-N-D dot I-O. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore. Beside me again, as always, my co-host, Chloe Goodry-Reed. And in today's episode, we're joined by Curtis Crowder, Director of Global Supplier Diversity, Sustainability, and Innovation at Pfizer. Curtis is a cross-functional senior executive, award-winning entrepreneur, and diversity leader. He is a dynamic professional with experience in business, supplier diversity, multi-tier channel, information technology solutions, partner management, and technology acquisition. Welcome to the show, Curtis. It's great to have you join us today. Hey, thanks so much, Adam. Thanks, Chloe. It's great to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you. Yes, most definitely. These are some of our favorite conversations. Yes, yes, yes. So, Curtis, I wanted to just kind of start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your journey for our listeners. Wow, where should I start? It's a long journey. So I'm I'm from Atlanta, born and raised, moved away, came back, right? Georgia Tech for undergrad, then went to work for IBM. So my background is in deep technology. All right. It did not always start out as supplier diversity to where at the time I was designing computing systems. So servers and storage and all those other compute technologies and putting them in data centers. So that's my background. Did that for a few years, then um, went into what's called uh, channels, right? Distribution and resale for IBM and a variety of roles for about eight or so years. And at a certain point in time, I said, you know, I think I can deliver better solutions, so I'm going to start a company. So ran that company for about a decade as a diverse supplier. Very nice. So that's one aspect of all of this or this particular lens while doing that, uh, we even picked up uh, NMSTC Supplier of the Year at a region level and GMSTC Supplier of the Year, right? So lots of experience there. 
even as a um, servant leader to the council um, at a local, regional, and national level. So that's one part of it, right? And I would say in going through that journey, that's what propelled my passion for supplier diversity because I, I know there's business out there. There's risk and reward that's out there. There's lots of capability and excellence and opportunity out there. So that's that's what I bring in getting to this point, right? There's always more to the story, of course. You know, I'm consulted with um, some diverse owned companies uh, here in the region, got to know the landscape better. Uh, I even um, taught uh, STEM uh, for a little bit for a couple of years, right? And even from that learning and how do you deliver education and create rapport with students and become their their friend, confidants, right? And instructor at the same time, uh, it's, it's all a learning experience. Uh, and now I'm fortunate, I would even say blessed enough to lead a global supplier diversity program. That is amazing. And, and just for everybody, Fiserv is one of those companies, right? So my my corporate background is in banking before I came over to the MBE side myself. But a lot of people who aren't in that industry probably don't know Fiserv or they know it, but they don't know what they do, right? And what I tell everybody all the time is Fiserv is that company in the background that you're interfacing with on probably almost a daily basis that you don't even know is there. So kind of fill everybody in. Just so as we're having this conversation, they have some context of what Fiserv does. Yeah, Adam, great point. Uh, I have found in my travels that when I say Fiserv, most people respond with Pfizer. (laughs) And my my response is no, Fiserv, F-I-S-C-R-V. So Fiserv moves money. The tag or phrase, I believe, is uh, Fiserv moves information and money in a way that moves the world. So Fiserv is in your daily life. Fiserv is in your pocket, right? Right. Mm. And they do operate in the background. So Fiserv is really about three core, I'd say, business segments. One would be our, our banking solutions, Right for uh, account processing and what we call digital payments. So digital payments, if you think of Zelle, right? Fiserv implements Zelle for the majority of credit unions out there. So that's peer-to-peer money movement. Digital bill payment, that's maybe a bill matrix if you've ever paid your utility bill or, or some other function, or if you ever walked into a store, right, to pay the bill for those who may not have banking services or are underbanked. Then there's uh, merchant acceptance, and that's being able to accept any form of credit card, debit card, charge card, right? So that's working with merchants to implement uh, a Clover-based solution, right? So if you've gone and did a card swipe and you've seen the Space Age uh, white sleek box, that's a Clover device. And that's most people do not realize, most consumers do not realize that that's Fiserv, yep. right? That expands even further to enterprise or large companies, global companies, with what we call Carrot, which is really omni-channel commerce that allows you to take payments, do inventory management, um, branding, loyalty, basically manage your business from a payments and acceptance perspective so that the consumer has the same look and feel across all of those digital channels. Right, uh, and another is another is issuer solutions. Um, Fiserv 
issues credit cards, debit cards, payment cards. So the EMV chip that's in it, the programming, the inserts, the mail outs, uh, some of the largest banks, Fiserv offers issuer solutions for them, right? And the credit card companies as well. So Fiserv is in your pocket. Yes, that's, it is. That's, that's the easiest way. That's to the say easiest it. way, but it's the largest non-bank bank that we deal with on a daily basis. Are you a diverse small business owner looking to expand your client base and grow your revenue? Join Breaking Barriers hosts Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore on Wednesday, April 19th from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern for a special live virtual event featuring a panel of corporate leaders from across industries who will pull back the curtain on what companies like theirs look for in diverse suppliers. You'll learn best practices for communicating with procurement teams, building long-term relationships with buyers, and most importantly, securing lucrative contracts. For more information on this live virtual event and to register, go to hireground.io forward slash panel. That's hireground.io forward slash panel. See you there. Now that we kind of had that overview, and obviously Fiserv is out there, there is a lot of complexity, right, to work with Fiserv. I mean, we've talked about regulated industries a ton on this show. And it's very hard to do supplier diversity in that space, right? Coming from banking myself, doing supplier diversity, it's it's a challenge. But what are some of the things that's kind of gotten you excited to come back into supplier diversity or take this role, right? So you were in corporate, had your own business for 10 years. Now you're back in corporate as supplier diversity. What gets you excited every day when you wake up out of bed and go, we're about to do this? Yeah, great question. The ability to make a difference yeah, yeah. and to move the needle, right? To say supplier diversity is a passion. It's not just a cliche. I feel it. To me, supplier diversity are living programs. And having this lens of supplier, servant leader, this corporate view, I believe, or I hope to try to design a better mousetrap, right? So in doing that, it's looking at how programs benefit the user, Right. So that could be well, when I say the user, I'm referring to internal to the company. Right. Because. Right. 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 Category manager. Absolutely. Yeah. You are you are right on point with that, because here at Fiserv, supplier diversity sits within global strategic sourcing, which is fantastic. Right? Absolutely. Right. It is a sourcing and procurement function. So I need to make that as frictionless as possible and non and non-intrusive to their processes so that there's minimal effort or things outside of what they normally do to be intentional, to be thoughtful, to be courageous relative to supplier diversity. So it it needs to fit within their work, right? And their, their processes. But at the same time, the program needs to have value to a diverse owned company in terms of is Fiserv easy to do business with, right? Is that onboarding or is, is that review and onboarding process worth it to me? Uh, mm-hmm. Is the program once I, does it look like is something I want to invest my time in? Because, you know, all of us here, we're supplier diversity professionals and there are a lot of programming or programs out there 
suppliers need to want to or desire to be a part of their program. There's choice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think your perspective is unique in that we're a diverse supplier. So you understand that time is limited for some of these entrepreneurs and all these organizations continue to come out with programs with sometimes not a very clear outcome or objective and suppliers end up leaving those programs very frustrated and not wanting to do business with that organization. But I think that that perspective as a diverse supplier allowed you just to be able to be really thoughtful in how you've built the programming at Fiserv. And, you know, Chloe, I think you hit on something very important, and and that is the corporates not kind of understanding what they're trying to put in play, right? So having come from the corporate side into the MBE side now, I'm working with programs and there are some different requirements to be part of the program that kind of excluded us. You know, one of them is a a mentoring program. They looked at me and said, well, Adam, you guys have got everything in here. You're probably one of our top applicants, but you aren't the owner. So we can't include you. I'm like, I'm the guy that comes in here and changes policies and puts things in play all the time. Right. Just because I'm not the owner, you're actually excluding, you know, a group that could do a good job. And this is something I never considered as a corporate. But now sitting on, in an MBE company as a, as a leader, I'm seeing that now, too. So I think that's a great call out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also from an industry perspective, Fiserv moves extremely fast in response to clients See, that's nice. and, and in response great. to customers. So whether it's about a solution and integration and enhancement and acquisition, there's a tendency to work with an incumbent supplier because they know Fiserv product. Right, they know Fiserv process, and they're familiar. So, our stakeholders, or who we call our vendor business liaisons, they'll just roll a company from one project to the next, and because of that speed, right, maybe responding to an SLA, right, or responding to time to revenue, right, from a from a new acquisition or new new contract, onboarding a new supplier is 90, 120 days in a traditional sense, right? Yeah, Yeah. if you're lucky and everything goes smoothly. Right, so, you know, we also look to put processes in place to make, to to shorten that. And that's only when things are firing on all cylinders and we have buy-in, right? I've I've seen suppliers come on board as short as 30 days, as long as 120 days. And that's a very interesting point you brought up, Curtis, because this is something we've discussed on this show too, especially in our regulated industries. Time to onboard, like you said, couldn't be 120 days. We've since seen six to eight months, depending on onboarding, right? Which, yes. as we defended on this show, you kind of want, right? I'm a stockholder, and I invest in a lot of BlackRock financial ETFs. I want those banks to be as secure as they can be because I've just put my money into them, right? right? So as fiduciary lines of defense, we have to make sure that we're onboarding, right? I kept telling people this all the time when I gave talks is, my biggest fear or the biggest point of entry for a bad actor is bringing in a new company. Whether you are a $10 company or a $100 million company, that's the first point of entry that we always fear. But it's also the biggest hurdle in supplier diversity to bring in a new supplier, right? So we lead this dichotomy, increase our diverse spend. Great, got it. You bring in great people and they're like, oh, but to your point, I've got to have this turn to revenue I don't have time to sit around and wait for a brand new supplier to be onboarded. Right. And those are real challenges. And I I think having these 
facets of experience, right, and and views allows me to have a different kind of conversation with a supplier, right? Or I would desire to have a different kind of conversation with a prospect supplier to state, well, it's not that we're saying no, we're saying not right now. And this goes back to the, how do you do business with a company? And you're told to go to the website and fill out the form, right? That's, That's always a rub. However, because we're engaging so many prospects from a data management perspective, you have to go and fill out the form. Right. Or, or else I may lose track of you. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Right. But see, you, you did the exact thing that's that's perfect, right? You set the expectation. I can't tell you how many other supplier diversity professionals I've talked to that don't set that expectation. Right. They just say go to the portal. They just go say go to the portal. We'll get back in touch with you. If we need you. Right. If we need you, if an opportunity comes along, right, don't call us, we'll call you. But in this community, if we set those expectations as supplier diversity leaders, that's a whole other conversation, right? It's a whole other way to talk about it. And it, it instills a confidence because we're being real, right? And if there's one thing I have learned about the MBE community is you have to be transparent, authentic, and organic. Yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And at some stages, I even try to infuse, you know, a few learnings and experiences along the way. If there's a company that you can see that's really engaged and they're attempting to do business with you and they're selling hard, I'll still say now is not the time. Right. right. We recently competed that. But I'll, I'll go further to say, I hope that you have other clients that you're getting revenue from because there's this continuum of time, one year, two year, three year, it may not be today, but it very possibly could be tomorrow. Tomorrow could be the second or third year. This does not mean give up hope. I, I sincerely hope you have cash flow and, and you have receivables coming in and your hope wing and a prayer is not Fiserv. Right. I definitely hope that it's not. Yes, if they're just coming in and having a conversation for sure. So supplier diversity is so unique in some of these things and some of the challenges are very unique to the U.S. landscape. What does supplier diversity look like at Fiserv on on a global scale? Yeah, great question. Fiserv is committed to execute diverse initiatives across all locations where there are operations, right? So even if we look at from a workforce diversity, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion, and also supply chain inclusion, which is supplier diversity. We have successfully launched our global program, right? This includes uh, other geos, the UK, MIA, and Asia Pacific. And that works because there are supporting organizations Right, such as MSD UK with Mayak, right? Right. Uh, we yeah. connect uh, international as well as MSD China. So, I've, having these supporting organizations from a certifying perspective and a programming perspective helps. And supplier diversity is different in other geographies as well from a cultural perspective, right? So, and those are other things to take into consideration too. So, uh, I think. Globally, supplier diversity is good within the states and internationally and globally. 
because uh, times are changing, right? There's there's definitely a push towards social and economic impact and inclusion, which is different than just counting a dollar, right? So if I was to go off on a tangent for a little bit, I could compare it to the the billion dollar roundtable, where that's whereas one billion dollars worth of direct or indirect spin is kind of the holy grail of uh, supplier diversity achievement. But sometimes you're not focusing on impact or sustainability. Just in terms of objectives and what outcomes you're trying to achieve. Right. It's it's outcomes in in terms of are you really working to build and sustain an ecosystem or are you collecting spin and moving on just to say you have this large scale program? So a lot of the programming that we have here at Fiserv is based on impact, right? Are we impacting companies at a certain revenue clip? Are we impacting companies to get them more involved across our business segments or more awareness from certain stakeholders, right? Based on certain technologies or commodities or goods and services. So with a focus on impact, I think the time is right relative to supplier diversity and its future, because supplier diversity has ebbed and flowed over the years, mm-hmm. right? right. I, it's, it's on the up right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you talked just a little bit about just sustainability in general. How does that, how does supplier diversity and sustainability marry at Pfizer? Sure. Let's look at sustainability from a couple of ways. So if I was to look at ESG, Mm-hmm. Right. I would say sustainability falls under social in terms of programs and impact and maybe even addressing the um, 17 sustainability goals put out by the U.N. Right. That's that's one way of looking at it and tying it to that triple bottom line. What is it? Um, people, profit and planet. So that's that's one part of sustainability. But another is are you affecting companies that they're surviving and thriving, right? As they enter your supply chain and are they enabled to grow beyond your company and engage other companies and have more business and hire more team members and pay decent wages to higher wages. So, you know, you can look at sustainability from a enterprise level and attaching ESG or you can look at sustainability from the supply chain and the vendor itself, right? And that's not even to mention sustainability practices in the supply chain uh, as it relates to emissions, environmental, Mm -hmm. slave labor, decent wages, recycling, energy reduction, or should I say, you you know what I mean, right? So it, it can fall into those two camps in terms of sustainability. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's wide and narrow at the same time. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, that's, and it's such an interesting perspective to hear too, right? Because we talk about this a lot on the show because it's interesting how sustainability and ethical sourcing, if you will, have really kind of made its way into the supplier diversity role, right? And we've actually seen a lot of people say, yeah, we've kind of moved away from the supplier diversity title and we're now the Office of Ethical and Sustainable Sourcing. Supplier diversity is part of this, but also is all these other green initiatives that we're working on as well, too. And I've always thought that was an interesting kind of maturation 
of the position, right? I mean, what do you, what do you you see from that? Just from your conversations with peers and others, and as we're all trying to tackle this ESG CSR topic that seems to come up in every conference we've been to in the last two years, it is maturing and it's becoming more inclusive. So mm-hmm. you know, when I came into this role. First, it was just supplier diversity, global supplier diversity. Then it was global supplier diversity and sustainability. And then it was global supplier diversity, sustainability, and innovation, right? One is supply chain. One is acquisitions focusing on a planet. And another is looking horizontally across the company to do supplier diversity different, right? With, you know, the sustainable sourcing piece, we've even develop task force internally that brings in other functions. We now have um, vendor risk management engaged, right? Because on the front side of onboarding a vendor or supplier, there's a questionnaire. As part of that questionnaire is sustainable sourcing, right? And other activities relative to how suppliers are doing business and the impact that it has on the planet, right? Those are now going to be built into survey questions so we can so we can assess the maturity and risk right of our supply chain so on this macro level it really boils up to risk right risk management and risk mitigation of your supply chain right and your overall value chain and delivery yeah you are absolutely right it's all about managing risk Everything is, especially in the financial district. <laughs> risk, risk, risk. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the, the finance or financial uh, industry. Yeah. So Fiserv being not necessarily financial services, but financial services technologies, we're, we're, we're a digital company, right? Fiserv doesn't manufacture anything. Fiserv, Fiserv develops technologies, develops product, integrations, acquisitions. So we look for everything to be frictionless, or at least with a, with a focus on digital. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's even from the banking side of the house to where we're heavily engaged with digital banking, right? Or banking cores, something that's not on-prem, right? So meaning where that technology is not literally at the bank. Right to where uh, you you guys have heard of a neo bank before in terms of a bank a bank without wa- a bank without walls, walls right yeah yep. right mm-hmm. so that's that's digital banking and that's so we're we're looking to move everything that way uh, in terms of our solutions um, and and I'm looking to move that way in terms of our processes right to to make sure they're as frictionless as possible but yet they can scale and I I think that's a, a great place to be relative to a program and having the support of your leadership to uh, to execute. You know, and it's interesting too, because even our definition of bank is changing, right? I mean, when yeah. you start looking at corporations like Apple, right, who's now a credit card issuer themselves, who handles payments, they have, I can't remember what the number was, forgive me for that, but there's just so many billions of dollars in in gift cards, right? So they're actually issuing a currency, if you will, especially in the day of cryptocurrencies. This is a very interesting conversation I had. It's interesting. It's changing the definition of bank, right? It's no longer the traditional banks that you think of, the Goldman Sachs and all these other big ones, right? Retailers are now stepping into the role of bank too, thanks to innovations like Fiserv, 
right? And it's fascinating how that is changing. The digital landscape is changing these even perceptions of what makes up a bank. Absolutely. You know, when you were talking about just risk being so central to how you guys think about things and also just the frictionless process that you're trying to have for both your customers and your internal stakeholders, how should suppliers, if they're thinking about trying to do business with Pfizer's, what are some of the things that they can think about in advance so that they can come to you guys prepared? I would think about as a supplier, and again, having been a supplier, know what Fiserv does, right? There, there are a lot of emails and conversations that I have where the supplier says, well, how can we help? Well... I may not be able to answer that for you right away. However, if you present a reference to say, well, we have a customer or reference in the insurance industry, in the banking industry, in across fintech, financial services, my ears perk up, right? As, as would the ears of any stakeholder in the company, because they are looking to see if you have experience in a regulated industry. And that makes the sell easier. So to clearly answer the question is do research ahead of time. Right. And know what Fiserv does, or at least have a slant towards what Fiserv does to create some adjacency to move the conversation further. Right. And and think about scale. Does your business scale? Can it scale quickly? And if it was to scale quickly tomorrow, do you have the financial resources place or relationships in place to scale with Fiserv? Yeah, that's great. Right. And, and yeah, and th- those, those are real concerns, right? You can put a company, you can put a company out of business, the amount of business that you give them because they can't oh. carry, they, they can't carry the cash or they yeah. don't have the cash or they can't, or they don't have the cash flow or processes or governance. And we want to make sure that all those things are in place. Supplier diversity is here to help, not to hurt. Yes. Mm. Well said. Very well said. You know, on that same track, you know, what can supplier diversity in general, not just at Fiserv, just from your time in this role, what can supplier diversity professionals do to be innovative? Well, I don't want to speak for all supplier diversity professionals, because we're, we're, we're a small community and we know each other. We share best practices all the time. And, and I think as supplier diversity leaders and professionals, just keep an open eye or mind for doing something differently, right? Leaving old maturation models, right? And looking at n- new ways to engage uh, new ways to create scale with the program, new ways to create uh, inclusion uh, for the program, new ways to engage stakeholders. So that's that's part of the innovation play, right? So if you look at what innovation really is, it's, it's really three definitions. It's either new product, right? Or new way of doing something, new process, an incremental gain, which the market is going to catch up with at some point in time, or total disruption, right? So people say, I have an innovative program or I want to focus on innovation. So if it's not falling into one of those three buckets, it's not really innovative. So how are we driving our programs to fall into one of those three buckets? Right. Right. I'm, I'm a fan of total disruption. 
myself. I'm a fan of total disruption as well. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. Yes. I've I've recently been told that disruption and disruptor as as words are not positive. So I yes. There, d- disruption is extremely positive. Oh, thank yes. you. Thank you. I Curtis. completely agree. Yes. Thank right? you. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like the word motive versus motivation. Mm. They're the same word. Yes. 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 <laughs> but motive is bad. Motivation is good. Yes. Motivation. And, and it's in a general in a in a general sense. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. What do you think? So what do you think the next step is in making, you know, the modern marketplace a more equitable and inclusive yeah. place for both buyers and suppliers? Well, so speaking of marketplace and marketplaces, Chloe, I think you kind of said said the answer without knowing it. I think technolo- <laughs> te- technology is a large enabler to creating equity across markets and marketplaces. And that's literally with the creation of marketplaces. Yes. To where vendor suppliers can offer goods and services on a platform, right? That creates equity that most anyone can either subscribe to or consume. So I, I think that technology is helping to create modern marketplaces. I love it. It's definitely becoming an equalizer. That's for sure. It is. So, and again, that goes to sp- that goes back to speed and scale as well, right? We we can do things now from a supplier and vendor perspective that we were not able to do two years ago, one year ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. I can't even imagine what we're, where we're going to be in ten years from now, even five years from now. It'll be supplier diversity on your wrist, right? <laughs> More than likely. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Curtis. Great conversation. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Gidry Reed and Adam Warren. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and check out our previous shows. Stay tuned for next time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.